Happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers in the house. Come on, let's put our hands together for all the mothers. All the mothers, all those that have stepped in to be mother to, to the grandmas in the house, thank you so much for all that you do. It's great to be here today. It's good to see all of y'all. And we're continuing our series, and I'm going to kick this sermon off with a story. Freshman year, actually junior year of college, going into my first semester um, I decided to do a study abroad program in Israel, Palestine, Jerusalem, Jerusalem University College. I was a student at Gordon College in Wenham, Massachusetts, and I flew all the way to Israel and was there for an entire semester. Phenomenal experience. We went to dozens of ancient sites. Um, a bunch of cool places that you read about in the Bible actually there. It, it revolutionized my faith. There's one place in particular that we went to. Um, you can see a picture here of um, the Nabataean um, ancient city, which is in Petra in Jordan. Um, some people say that this was hand-carved um, in the 5th century, just a really long time ago. This is an amazing, awe-inspiring, beautiful sight. I mean, this, it's, it, this picture doesn't do it justice. I mean, you see these little camels down here. just shows you how massive this, uh, this temple, this ancient temple is. You can actually walk in there and all these things. It demanded all of my presence, but unfortunately, I'm kind of around here, my wife's in the room, flirting with some girls and hoping that we can hurry this along so I can eat. 20-year-old Matthew in Petra, mom and dad giving him their last dime, their last penny, and he's flirting when he should be focused and present in something extremely awe-inspiring, grand, and amazing. Similar to 20-year-old Matthew, I'm concerned about the fact that oftentimes Jesus followers, me included, can be in the very presence of God and be so distracted with things that pale in comparison of him. It is possible to be in God's presence and be so numb to it that you can't engage or press in or lean in to what matters most. I would push you today as we talk about the love of God, to not hear that God loves you as, it's, as if it's some common, normal, basic thing. I would push you today to hear that God loves you as if it is wonderful, much more wonderful than this ancient temple. Uh, 
it is possible that we hear the words, God loves you, and because we've heard it so much, we put it in the category of familiar, normative. Today, we are asking a massive question that demands all of your attention. The question is right here on the screen. What changes today if you realized you were a part of something bigger and better already? What changes today if you realized you were a part of something bigger and better already? I'm going to push you for a moment. Are you ready? Think for one quick second. I know some of you guys are already asleep. Wake up and think really quickly. What changes? If you knew that you already had something amazing, something awesome, and you had endless access to it. The answer to that question is pretty simple. Everything changes. Now, some of you guys are thinking, why is that question such a big deal? Well, we're in the comparison game, people. It's hard. I don't care if you're 89, 99, 199, or you're just 10 years old in the room right now. All of you compare. You compare your hair to her hair. You compare your car to their car. You compare your house to their house. You assume what their 401k looks like, and you compare yours to theirs. You compare your promotion to their promotion. You compare your salary to their salary. You compare your grades on the test to their grades on the test. Everybody in here compares. And with the great thing called the internet and social media, now we scroll and compare. <laughs> we compare all day, every day. And you know what happens when you compare. You start to think in your mind, I need something bigger. I need something better. Maybe if I were a little healthier. Maybe if I were a little smarter. Maybe if I had more confidence. Maybe if, if I can be like him or be like her. I submit to you today, man. I submit to you today, woman. I submit to you today, people. This question, if we can go right back to that question, massive question, what changes today if you realized you were a part of something bigger and better already? That you didn't need to chase it anymore. You didn't have to climb so aggressively putting all of your hope into the climb and the grind anymore. That you could actually do your job and build your business and educate yourself and love the people around you a lot better if there was something bigger and better that you already had forever. Some of you guys are asking this question and I can hear you. Come on, dude, give me the answer. What's bigger, what's better? God. 
God's glory and the inevitable gift of his love to unlovely people. What would change today if you knew you were a part of something bigger? The answer is everything. Everything changes when you stop searching for love, for affirmation, for satisfaction and contentment in the wrong places. When you can rest in who you are in God and stop running and chasing things to satisfy a part of you that only God can satisfy. More people should have said amen right there. (laughs) Everybody does it. I do it all the time. We try to find love and contentment and satisfaction and wholeness and peace in video games, in work, in money, in relationships, in affirmation. There's this crazy thing called the American dream. And we can fall so in love with the American dream that everything else pales in comparison to my American dream. And if you come in the face of my American dream, we gonna fight. If you come in the face of of my beautiful family and Thanksgiving has to be like this and Fourth of July has to look like this and and joy looks like this and happiness looks like this, if you threaten that, ooh, if you come in the face of this thing that we've worshipped, this idea, almost this addicting idea of American dreams, I know I'm about to offend somebody here. I know this is gonna hurt. It hurt me when I was reading it, after I wrote it, after God, (laughs) after, after God told me to write it. Listen to me, people. If your dreams are more important to God, if if your dreams are more important than God. Let me say it again. If your dreams are more important than God, then God is no longer God in your heart. Your dreams are. You're worshiping an idea that has nothing to do with God's glory. Somebody say glory. Glory. Now, that's an old school word for some people, but I'm going to break it down like this. I love basketball, and just recently, Steph Curry, one of the greatest shooters ever known to humankind, a professional basketball player, scored zero points in the first half of a very important game. They were on the news, they were on the show, they were, everybody was texting and tweeting, saying, what's wrong with Steph Curry? What is going on with him? And then the second half, something crazy happened. He scored 33 points in one half. And at the end, of course, he's the one that gets the interview, and everybody's clapping, and they're standing up, and they're saying he's the greatest shooter ever. What's glory? That. When Steph Curry pushes back, and he shoots the shot, and everybody stands, and they clap their hands, that's glory. What does it mean? And what does it look like for you to give God glory? Where is God's clap 
in my life? Where is God's honor and praise in my life? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 8 says it like this. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to the good pleasure of his will to praise to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. Watch this, in him. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, the, the richly that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. This passage pulls out three things today, and the first one is the most important. It's really simple. It is and has always been about him. Somebody just got their feelings hurt because they came here today on Mother's Day to hear a nice God loves you sermon and it's all about you and you're fearfully and wonderfully made and you're so beautiful, which is true. All of that is true. But that doesn't matter when it's right next to all about him. I know we've heard tons of sermons and I got to apologize because there have been times that I was the one preaching those feel good messages about you have a great life ahead and good things are going to happen to you. And while all of that's true, we have sometimes communicated these things as if that was the goal. And so when bad things happen to you, you're like, I thought I was the goal. The truth of the matter is, you ain't the goal. I can't be the goal. Because Matthew getting all the glory don't change nobody. You can clap at my retirement party. You can give me a balloon at my graduation when I walk across the stage. You can lift me up, but nobody gets changed by lifting me up. But when God gets the glory... When he's lifted up, the Bible says he draws all men unto him. If God be lifted up, everything changes. If your bank account is lifted, you just got more zeros. If your health is lifted and you eat a bunch of kale, good for you. But in 150 years, who cares? The Bible says it like this, what profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What is the gain? If you're the allness and the muchness and in 150 years, nobody even remembers you, bro. Nobody even cares. You might have one grandkid that remembers old grandma or old grandpa, but that's about it. It's always about him because he can bear the weight of all of your praise. This kind of sounds a little selfish, but, but the only thing that God is about is his glory. But if you think about it, why would God be about anything other 
than his glory. If it's a Matthew gospel, if it's a me gospel, that means that I'm his goal. And my happiness and my joy and my peace is what he's after. That would make me his God. And that ain't right. So, so God is, is primarily, solely, only about his glory. But here's the cool thing. Within his glory, kind of like a jelly donut, within his glory, automatically there's this like jelly substance thing. <laughs> within his glory consists love and affection and sacrifice for me. It's already included. I'll show it to you. It says, for he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. This is not evil of God because he can handle the weight of all of our honor. God would cease to be righteous if he ceased to love his own glory, on which his people bank all of their hope. I don't know about you, but I need something strong enough to hold all of my affection, to hold all of my hope, to hold all of my dream. I need something strong enough to hold it, and you can't do it. You've heard this before. The 23rd Psalm says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the steer waters. He renews my life and leads me along the right paths. Now this is the part that we usually leave out. For his name's sake. Y'all should have said something right there. God provides, he leads, he takes care of me. He does all of these amazing things. Not so I can look in front of all of you and say, I'm better than you. He does all of this. He gives me everything that I need so that he can get the glory. So that he can be lifted. Number two, not only is it all about him, but number two, this is good news for, for the here and after, for the future. This is great news for the future. Somebody say great news. This is good news for the future. God so loved the world, whoever believes in him, you might have heard something like this, whoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. It's cool how John 3.16 at the end of that verse sounds something similar to Psalm 23 in the last verse of the 23rd number of Psalms, which says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever, ever, forever. <laughs> forever. 
Y'all should have said something. You know why that's exciting? That means that it is over. It is finished. All of Matthew's stress, waking up in the morning, dreading the day, being overwhelmed about taxes and bills, being overwhelmed, worrying about where my kids are and what they're going to be, worrying about my mom, worrying about my dad, worrying about my health, worrying about where I'm going to eat, how I'm going to make it. All of that's over because the here and after is guaranteed because he loves me. He, he can't help but love me. And he can't help but love me not because I'm so cool and awesome and good looking, which I am. But he can't help but love me because when God sees me, he sees the blood of the lamb. I didn't make this up. It's right here in the, in, the, in the Bible verse. I'll read it to you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, we already read that. Verse 5 says, he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will. He designed and set this whole thing up for my future. I'll say it again. He designed and set this entire thing up for your future. Not so you can struggle just for struggle's sake, but so you can live a life and know him, not just for the here and now, but the, for the here and after. The, the exciting part about heaven isn't this, this idea, people say streets paved in gold and everybody's going to be in white. You know, I like different colors in white, okay? Let's, let me just say that, okay? But the part I get excited about is that I will be in his presence. You know, kind of how I was in the presence of this, this big ancient temple. The exciting part is to be in the presence of God forever. I'll push it not only for the here after, but finally for the here and now. Good news, this is great news for the here and now. Say it like this, or do it through a Bible verse. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it says, He chose us in Him to be holy, to be blameless, in love before Him. If we talked about being in His presence in the future, and having impact in him 150 years from now, after we're all, by the way, dead and gone, this room will look totally different 150 years from now. We've talked about that, but, but, but hey, preacher dude, what has this got to do with today? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, he chose us in him to be holy, to be blameless, in love, before him. I knew I wasn't going to get nobody to shout on that one. I just knew it. I knew it. <laughs> the good news for the here and now. Tim Keller said it like this. The Christian gospel is that I am so flawed that Jesus had to die for me. Yet I am so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. This leads to deep humility and deep confidence at the same time. It undermines both 
swaggering and sniveling. I can't, I can't feel superior to anybody, and yet I have nothing to prove to anyone. I do not think more of myself nor less of myself. Instead, I think of myself less. Which implies I think of him more and more. There's a couple of scriptures that you can't ignore in the Bible. One is pray without ceasing. Another one is I will bless the Lord at all times. These two verses and many more hint to the fact that there has to be this idea of delight, awe, wonder in him. There's got to be something that, that is amazing about him if I'm truly in relationship with God. Instagram has, if you do this and on Instagram, if you even know what that is, <laughs> it's a social media platform that's super popular, something that always is trending, if you see it every day, hashtag grateful. Hashtag grateful. Jesus followers, non-Jesus followers, especially non-Jesus followers, it's kind of like that feel-good, motivational thing that goes on on Instagram all the time. Hashtag grateful. And my question is always, for those who don't have something bigger than themselves that is eternal and that will last forever, God's glory, what are they so grateful for? What is so awesome and so wonderful and so amazing that it can hold the weight of all of their gratitude? Everybody is grateful, but to what? To whom are they grateful to? Who is worthy of your greatest gratitude? If you're considering this right now, I'll give you this verse. Greater love hath no man than this, than this dude named Jesus. This is my update version. That Jesus would lay down his life for a friend. Let's talk about gratitude for just one second. Greater love hath nobody than this. Jesus chooses to lay down his life for people who are unlovable. It's, it's hard enough for you to drive from here to your house without getting angry at somebody much less lay down your life for someone who's unlovable. Think about somebody that robbed you. Think about somebody who's lied on you. Think about somebody who has scandalized your name. Jesus says, for that one, I've laid down my life. For the least of these, for the marginalized, for the people that you hate and enjoy hating, I've laid down my life for them. There is nothing greater than that. And the chief of all of them, in my opinion, is me. He chose to lay down his life for me. You want to talk about hashtag grateful? There is nothing that deserves my highest level of gratitude than Jesus Christ. Here's the question. What about you? 
Who has your highest value? Who do you give the most or what do you give the most value to? I know what we say on Sundays, but on your calendar, in your bank account, in your cell phone, in your mind, what naturally are you giving the most value to? And does it deserve all of that glory? I love, I love song that we heard just before kind of reminds me when I think about how great God is reminds me of this question I don't know if you ever heard anything like this before what would change today if you knew you were a part of something bigger and better already the answer is everything changes join me as I pray God I thank you so much for this day. God, I thank you for all of these beautiful people created in your image. God, I pray that you can just interrupt our thoughts, interrupt our journey just for a moment. Pray, God, we can think just for a moment what's holding all of our glory. Is it you or is it something else? What gets all of our praise, all of our claps, all of our attention? Is it you or is it something else? God, we thank you that even when it's something else, you still love us in spite of us. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.